learn it, do it, and then teach it, right? If I have an idea or something that needs to be executed, like I, I need to be working on my business instead of like in it, I feel like it, it always starts in it though. And that's okay. At one point, even if it's just an idea, I, I need to kind of process through that idea first and then take a little bit of action on it so that like it's in process and then I can kind of hand it off to somebody. What's up, everybody? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show. As always, I am your host, Taylor Lote, and today we are joined by Kevin Bell. Kevin is a real estate investor, a police officer, a father, and he has so much going on. Today, we're going to dig into how he balances everything that he has going on to build wealth with real estate and entrepreneurship while being a father and a police officer. Kevin, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Is there anything else you'd like to add and tell us more about your background and what you're up to these days? Yeah, you definitely hit the main points. I feel so busy these days, but in a good way, like everything that I'm doing is just is moving the needle forward in the direction that I want. You said it though. My my main focus is my family. I've got two wild little girls. One is just about five. The other is two and a half. And man, like not only are they my why for sure, like they are why I do everything, but they they definitely keep me grounded and and add a whole layer of like I really need a time block in order to be to be there for them, to be present for them. So yeah, no, you you hit it. Real estate, I have full-time dad and husband. Awesome. So you have a ton of going on. Tell us about your self-storage facility because we got a lot of self-storage investors out there. So we we have within our group, our private equity group, that we have two facilities. We formed this group and one of our other partners brought one in with him, right? So he owned that previously. And then we just closed on a facility in Kansas, in South Hutchinson, Kansas. And so we're we're just in that initial grind right now getting you know our boots on the ground in there we have our call center rolling we're you know working on expansion just all of that like first couple month grind we're really head deep in it right now but it's great i mean i think just having it be a real estate asset and a business it's like you have the best of both worlds and and we're looking to continue to build and and go big awesome and you have another business going on, your virtual assistant agency. Tell us about that business. Yeah. So that happened just kind of almost by accident, which is funny. Like that's how things end up happening sometimes where you're like, oh, wow, this is working really well. I wonder if other people would want um, help with that, right? Where you see the need and there's a service that you kind of created for yourself and then other people go, oh, hey, like, I could use that as well. So um, that's really how it formed is we just got so busy and we're doing everything, right? We're doing the lead gen and we're doing the calling and we're, you know, like, you know how it goes, just everything, right? You're the CEO, you're the bookkeeper, you're the, you know, the SEO guy and you're the marketing guy and the copywriter. And, and we're like, okay, we can't, you know, if we want to go as big as we want to go, we need to be able to work on the business and not in it, right? Michael Gerber's e-myth, right? You know that for sure. And so we hired two virtual assistants at that time. And we basically said, okay, what do we know how to do? Uh, what do we know how to do really well? And 
what can we train our new VAs to do just as well? And so that came down to lead generation, data entry, skip tracing, kind of all of that like front end portion of finding storage facilities. And so we trained them on that. We created, you know, all of our SOPs and, you know, I don't know, a hundred plus loom videos later, we had VAs that knew exactly how to do what we do. And we go, okay, this is working really well. So we hired a cold caller on so that they covered the initial touch point, right? And instead of us going through and cold calling ourselves, which we did for a long time, we brought somebody on to, to, you know, find out if it's a warm lead or not. And so, you know, they use the scripts that we were using, you know, they build rapport with the owners a little bit, right? And they just kind of filter the, the lead through the process. And so we did that. And through this, being in a few different real estate groups, talking to other investors, other people that we came in contact to at conferences and whatnot, we were telling them about our VAs and about what we're doing. And they're like, hey, you know, we've been thinking about that. Like, can you help us find VAs? And so like, that's where it started is we, we just started helping people find their VAs. And then of course, like no one wants to go through that training process. You know, that's a hard like load to lift because you almost have to take a step back as an owner or a CEO to train your troops and then you can kind of move forward. And so people don't want to do that. And we got really good at doing that with our team. And then we started having our team train the new VAs on kind of all this general stuff. And then just building a pool of already trained, ready to go virtual assistants that the, um, we hired out from the Philippines. We're very loyal to the Filipino culture. We think they're just the hardest working people out there. And yeah, just building that pool of VAs and then hiring them out, arbit arbit arbitraging them essentially. Wow. So many things going on. And you yeah. mentioned earlier on that time blocking is a big part of your strategy to make sure you're getting everything done that you need to get done. Tell us more about how you time block your schedule, both personal and professional items. Yeah, so definitely a work in progress. My wife is really good at time blocking. She's actually, I don't, I'm not going to, I won't go down like a rabbit hole too much, but if it wasn't for her, I would not be able to do all the things that I do. She's not only like our bookkeeper, like she's actually like a professional bookkeeper and she does that, but she's just so good at all these things that, that I'm not as good at, which is great. She's so much smarter than me. So she's helped me out a lot with that. What that looks like on a personal and a professional level is, I mean, I'm at work 40 plus hours a week. And so I'm, it, when I'm there, I don't have a whole lot of time. Obviously I'm in the field, I'm in the police car. I have my phone by me, which I, you know, I can do a handful of things that way. So I need my team working for me when I'm at work. And so my communication, this is kind of like micro blocking is the way I think about it is like, I'm not able to set a whole bunch of time aside during those work hours. It's before and after that I have windows, but when I'm there, it's like micro blocking. That's how I just conceptualize it in my head is I'm communicating little bits to my team and then they go out and do what I need them to do 
aside from being at work. So that's really where the time blocking will, will come in is I, I get up pretty early. So I'm up at, at four most days and that's when I get my workout in. That's when um, I'm handling kind of like those overnight emails. That's when I'm sending out direct assignments to my team for the day. That's when I'm communicating with all my other partners who are in other time zones, most of them being like central or Eastern. So like they're already up and going. And it's between the time that I get up at four and then when I'm at work at six, those two hours, I'm just, you know, on the phone, on the computer, handling as much as I can because I have to, right? When I'm at work, it's kind of go time. Then when I get home, I have a window after the girls go down for bed. So I come home, phones on moon. I, you know, I'm trying to be as present as possible. We have dinner as a family, girls go down. And then I have a couple hours before bed where I'm kind of finishing off everything for the night. I'm setting things up so that I'm ready for tomorrow. You know, that consists of, um, again, emails, communicating over Slack, and then also just like setting things out for the day, right? I have my clothes ready. I have my jujitsu gi ready to go. You know, things are set out so that when I start at four again, I'm ready to go, you know, on the weekends though. So I work four days and then I'm off three. We have a four ten schedule. I feel like I want to write a book about this one day, but all the work really that I'm able to get done is during their nap times. Right. And, and, you know, for, for those that also have a, a, a five-year-old, like I am hanging on to her nap, like, like by just by a hair, like she's almost out of that nap time and I need it. Right. We need those nap times. So during the afternoon nap time of like two and a half to three hours, that is when I just, I grind, right? You know, I either, I make content, I'm shooting emails, I'm sending out newsletters, I'm talking to my team and then they get up and I'm with them, you know, so. How do you, in the times when you're not working, when you're not working on your real estate, rather you're being a police officer or you're with your daughters or doing something that's not specifically blocked for real estate time, how do you deal with like ideas that will come up in your head. I think that happens to all entrepreneurs. You're going to have an idea and you're saying, you can't work on it now. Do you write it down and come back to it later? Do you tend to realize that, you know, most of those ideas aren't productive? Like how do you deal with those concepts as an entrepreneur that can send you down the right or wrong path, but you don't necessarily have time to work on? Man, that is, that's one of the best questions I've ever been asked because, and I know you, you feel that because otherwise you wouldn't ask that. Like that's, it's like that question comes with so much weight and I love it. Yeah. I have so many ideas. I have too many ideas, man. I have too many ideas. So what I've done is it, everything starts in my phone. Everything starts in the notes of my phone. And, and I legit, I mean, I have thousands of notes, it feels like, but I have very specific notes where that's where those ideas go. And I have categories of like what kind of idea it is and what note it goes in. So everything starts in my phone. I'm a big, I'm a big reader and I'm a big writer. And so I have kind of a flow of these ideas, like where it starts in my phone. And then if it's like an article or a, you know, like a newsletter sort of concept, then it goes to another note and I start typing it out, right? If I don't have the time, then it the idea is saved. It's there in, in my notes and I'll come back to it. You know, from there, when it's a finished article or newsletter, then it goes 
to my my personal blog and then it'll shift out to whether it's a business idea or more of like a documentation of the journey idea depending on which newsletter it's going to go out to so it it all kind of flows from the top but it yeah it's taken me a while to figure out what to do with these ideas and not to lose them because you don't want to just scratch it out on a piece of paper or leave it in your head and then it dies somewhere like there's we all have these million dollar ideas in our heads that you know what it's one one action away from like making it something and maybe i don't have the time right now but i at least need to get it out so that i can come back to it later so yeah it, it all starts in my phone i put the notes in my phone and then the action that i take is i i usually write about it whether it's just for me or whether it's something that i want to post later or a business idea and then you know then i'm hitting up one of my partners and i'm like hey let's check this out or let's move this direction but um, oh man yeah you hit the nail on the head like that's it it's i love having these ideas but it is also like ultra consuming to have so many and then not be able to act on all of them right yeah it is especially when you have good ideas you probably think you have a, a lot of good ideas and it's hard to ignore a lot of them that may well be very good ideas but you don't have the an infinite amount of time to execute on them. So when you're on, when you're in your time block to work on real estate or, or work on your uh, virtual assistant business, how do you think about aligning your tasks in the sense that you want to be working on your business rather than in your business, but there's always some degree of a mix, right? You're coming up with new ideas, you're working on them for a while, mm -hmm. then you need to hire team members to handle them, build processes, things like that. And offload those tasks from your plate, give them to some someone else. How do you think about that process as you add new things to the business and continue to hire people to handle those things within your time block? Yeah. So the, it's a simple answer. It's obviously like so much harder to execute, but this is what I have to roll through my head all the time is learn it, do it, and then teach it. Right. And when to, to your point, like if I have an idea or something that needs to be executed, like I, I need to be working on my business instead of like in it. I feel like it, it always starts in it though. And that's okay. That's okay. I, you know, at one point, maybe it's all going to be working on it. And, you know, there, there will be people under me that are able to you know, test out these ideas or be in it, but like, we're just not at that level yet. And that's okay. I, I feel that it's right now, it's really important for me to be in it for each one of those things to begin with. And then I can, I can step out of it. Right. For example, we recently switched over to a new cold calling software, right? So we're, we're using ring central. There's some cool features in there. I can't assign my VA to, to, or one of, you know, one of my VAs to use ring central without me like fully understanding it myself. So even though I'm not an expert at it before I assigned it to her to, you know, to switch over to that software, like I, I watched some of the tutorials, I talked to support, I got a good feel for it. And then I created a, a loom for her so that she kind of see the, the breakdown of how to use it and then told her what I needed her to do with it. Right. And that's not, the greatest example, but you know, I learned it and then I did it and then I was able to teach it. And so that that's kind of with everything, even if it's just an idea, I, I need to kind of process through that idea first 
and then take a little bit of action on it so that like it's in process and then I can kind of hand it off to somebody in, you know, it's like running a race, right? You know, we're running around the track and you know, it's a relay race and I'm holding the baton. Like, I'm not going to just like stop and then hand them the baton without moving. Like we're, we're going to kind of meet each other and then the handoff goes, right? Like that's the most efficient way. And so, yeah, I learn it and then I do it a little bit and then I teach it, but it's also really easy to get lost in doing it and then go, Oh no, like I need to do this. Like I need that control. And so I have to reevaluate, like, how important is this task? Do I need to be doing this task? Should I be spending five hours on Canva right now? Or should somebody else who I pay to do that, should they be doing that? Yeah, probably that. Yeah, it makes sense. So you mentioned Loom a couple of times. And for those who haven't used it, Loom is basically a screen recording software you can record yourself doing something and then give that video to one of your assistants or somebody on your team. And that way they can see what you're doing and walk themselves through the process. And it sounds like Loom is pretty important to your business. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, there's a whole bunch of other screen recording software out there. Snagit, I think is one of them. I could be saying it wrong, but yeah, we've used Loom for a few years now and it's subscription based. Like the cool part is like you, you film it, um, you can have yourself on, or you can just screen record, doesn't matter. And then it immediately becomes a link that you can share. So like, you don't have to download it. You have to wait for anything. You're not storing it on the drive. It's like it films, it becomes a link. I copy paste it into Slack and we're good. And it, it just allows you to really share what you're trying to achieve. You know, what, whatever it is you're asking for your team to do, it allows you to easily instruct and share that with everybody and like i'll even do i'll do employee evals on loom i'll do like announcements you know quarterly reviews different things like that like everything is on loom instead of like having to schedule a zoom call which we do and that works great everybody's in person but like if i need to get something out that's a, a really efficient way to distribute the information to your team instead of typing it up like i'll even do it on my phone real quick like like if I'm on the go, like I'll film it and and just send it out really quick. That can save a lot of time, keep you from overthinking what you want to say and overthinking the instruction that you want to give and just get it done, send it out and move on. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Kevin, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? Ready. Great. First one, what is your number one book recommendation? Oh yeah. Okay. So I've been thinking about this and it's actually, it's right over your left shoulder. I see back there. It's rich dad, poor dad, man. You know, I was debating whether I wanted to say that or not, because I, I feel like everybody says that, you know, that's a big book just in, in the real estate world. But more than that, it's eye opening to what achievements are possible and that it, you don't like, you don't have to be born into a wealthy family. You don't have to even really have the know-how to be able to do some of this stuff. And Robert Kiyosaki explains like you go, like basically going from nothing to building a total empire. And, you know, he talks about a lot of residential stuff, but you know, he's also done so much more than that now. And that book for me, like that, that opened my eyes on like, what is possible and that anybody 
really stepping into real estate or building a bigger and better life for themselves should read that book just to kind of see a a trajectory, a pathway that that you can take. Great call. Question number two, who or what inspires you? Yeah, I, I touched upon this earlier in the interview talking about my why, but it it's my girls, my my wife and my two girls. They are why I do everything that I do. They are my inspiration for all of this work. You know, and I look at the totality of all these things that I'm doing and, and it's a lot, but it's all with the purpose of literally changing the direction of my family. I would, you know, I was born, I grew up middle-class, like I wasn't in the projects or anything like that. I also wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth, but I don't want to live middle-class the rest of my life. I don't, I, you know, and I want to show my girls that changing our economic level, changing our status, doing these big things is so possible. I remember in high school, sorry if I'm going off on a tangent here, but I, I remember in high school, like things were tight. My parents got a divorce when I was young. I was living with my mom in high school. I remember getting an eviction notice on the door. And like at that time, you don't totally, like it doesn't totally set in like what that is or what that feels like. Because, you know, when you're a kid, you know, like everything's going to be fine. We're fine. You know, mom and dad, they're fine, whatever. But like looking back at it, that's been a like kind of one of the early origins for me of like, I need to do bigger and better things. Right. I got into law enforcement for, you know, both like loving the job and then also the security, the benefits to be able to build a family, support a family that way. But I want to do so much more than that. Question number three, think about Kevin at 80 years old. What advice would he give to Kevin of today? Okay. Yeah. I try to think about that often. I think Alex Hermosi, he has a tweet or an Instagram or something where he talks about like how he checks in with himself often about like what future Alex, he has a conversation. I think he has like a word document that, that he opens and he has like a future conversation with older Alex. And I heard that and that really resonated with me. And so quite often, although I don't have a word doc open like that, I, I do really try to like project you know, what I would feel like in the future. And I feel that 80 year old Kevin would tell me that, okay, Kev, you're doing some awesome things right now, but you're doing a lot of things. And so be aware of what's really important, why you're doing those things. And if there's anything that you really don't need to be doing right now, just don't do it. And that's okay. In law enforcement, we don't ever know if like we'll go home. Like I know that's kind of morbid and people don't like normally talk about that. Not like I'm not a badass or anything like that. Like, like I'm not like going to war or anything, but like, that's the reality. Like people, you know, like people don't necessarily like us and, and that's okay. That's fine. But like, we, we talk about this kind of stuff, like more than like other jobs at least. And I remember going through Academy, one of the TAC officers they came in and they were near the end of Academy and they, they were able to kind of talk to us at ease instead of yelling at us, which they were doing the whole time. And one of the things that they said, I, I remember really hit home was at the end of your career, you could have all these 
awesome, badass stories. You know, you could do all these things and, you know, be on all these different details. But when you retire the next day, you'll be irrelevant to the department. And so you're going to go home and you're going to, you know, sit on your porch and, you know, depending on how you live your life, depending on like how things went in your career, you're either going to have your family there with you or you're going to have no one. Right. And I'm like, wow, okay. Like that's not the kind of speech that I expected somebody to, to give us as we're about to become officers and graduate the Academy. But that's the truth is it's, and you know, it translates to everything. It translates, you know, into law enforcement, into life and business, everything. It's not always about all these cool, crazy, badass stories that you have. It's who you have in your life that you're able to share these experiences with. And my why, like I was talking about before, that's, those are my two daughters, two daughters and my wife. And so everything I do, I need to make sure that I'm doing it for them, that I'm doing it for the, you know, the entirety of our family, because at the end of the road, when I'm 80 years old, bring it back full circle here at the end of the road, when I'm 80 years old, I don't want to have any regrets. I don't want to miss any opportunity, you know, from now until then to spend all the time, give all the love and, you know, be with my family. Like, like I should be right. You know, little projects come up, things happen and it's like deadlines, everything like that. But it's like, okay, why am I doing this? And what, what direction is that going to take me? Is that going to take me further away from my family or is that going to take me closer to my family? And so I, it's, it's easy to say it's hard to do because we get caught up in the moment, but yeah, 80 year old Kevin would give me that advice to, to make sure to continue to measure everything that I do on the, like, who do, who am I going to have on that porch with me at the end of, at the end of the line, you know? Nice. I love that. And Kevin, I want to thank you for joining us today. If folks want to get in touch or track you down, where can they find you? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, a few different places. I, I'm fairly regular on Twitter, Instagram. I have a LinkedIn. So yeah, LinkedIn, Kevin Bell, Twitter at Kevin is RX, Instagram at Kevin is RX. I have a personal blog that I update very regularly with all my writings. That's kevinbellco.com. And then you can see the newsletters and my the books that I'm reading, the content that I'm consuming, everything off of that. So yeah, I, I would start there, kevinbelco.com or any one of the social media platforms. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And to everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every weekday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one.